recorded live, live from High Tech Podcast Studios, this, this is Kathy Lee and Company. All right, everybody, as promised, we are joined by Joel C. Rosenberg. I first started reading his books, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago, and he is a New York Times bestselling author of 10 novels. His latest we're going to get to in a little bit. It's called The Third Target. It's uh, just like all of Joel's books. You 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 not only are taken for quite the ride, uh, but you also learn so much about this, this extraordinarily important part of the world known as the Middle East. And uh, and he always does it with a with a um, a great understanding of biblical prophecy, uh, so much so that uh, I think was it the CIA Joel who said, "How do you know this stuff? Are you with us?" Was is that is that a true story? Well, my agent thinks I work for the CIA, <laughs> uh, and uh, two former CIA directors have become friends, and uh, and I'm asking them every you know to give me insights, uh, but. I'm not trying to predict the future. I'm just trying to warn about right. bad things that could happen, and right. that turns out to be good political thriller material. Unfortunately, uh, life is getting much more dangerous in that part of the world, than, and perhaps sometimes even my novels. Well, I, I would love to talk to you uh, right now because you are just fresh from attending uh, the Prime Minister's uh, speech before the, the Congress just a few hours ago. Uh, I know you are friends with it with him. Am I right? Yes, he hired me, uh, Prime Minister uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. He was former Prime Minister at that time. Uh-huh. He served from 1996 to 1999. He was defeated in 1999. But he hired me along with a small team of American uh, political aides and consultants in the year 2000. And the reason was he was putting together a comeback campaign team. He was hoping to run again uh, and come back politically in 2001. Now, I will note to you, Kathy Lee, that <laughs> it took him nine more years to come back. And obviously, I did not play <laughs> a significant role right. in making that happen. But that's where we first connected. And I stayed close, closer to his team. Uh, of political advisors uh, over these uh, past 15 years. And now, of course, he is a prime minister at, at a key moment yes, uh, in for such a time as the state this. of the region and the world. Mm-hmm. And you and I are speaking on the first day of uh, tomorrow will be the first day of Purim, right? That's right. And so, That's again, right. it's and for I, such a time as this that God has raised up um, uh, a man for to to lead the protection of Israel. Uh, what was your thought as you were? I, I noticed quite a few of the uh, Democrats uh, took a stand and were not there. But but it seemed like there was tremendous support from what I could gather from watching the television. What what was it like to be actually be in the chamber? It was electric to be inside that chamber. First of all, uh, it, it, the the, the I, I lost track of the uh, number of standing ovations. It mm-hmm. seemed to hit two dozen, and then I thought, "Well, why am I counting this?" It, it was, it was so, it was thunderous in terms of the applause. And uh, look, the prime minister did a very important job, uh, both in terms of substance and tone. Right? I mean, he was dealing with a very difficult topic: the yes. the, the threat of Iran, but also maybe a, a, as sensitive. As the threat of Iran now is the is the real deep deep concern by the Prime Minister of Israel that President Obama is going to sign a deal with Iran that would actually put Iran on the legal and legitimate path mm-hmm. towards having a nuclear 
infrastructure and ultimately nuclear weapons that would threaten the very survival of Israel. So this is a very sensitive issue. The president has essentially shut out uh, the prime minister. He is is nearly persona non grata here. The president uh, sent the vice president and secretary of state out of the country to to not participate. Why? What is why is he so afraid? Yeah, I know. Why why is he so afraid of this of this speech today? Well, here's the thing. I think at the bottom line, the only way to interpret what the president's doing is the way he handles things in a political campaign. I think that he has, the president has decided that the deal that he is offering Iran is the right deal. And, the, and Prime Minister Netanyahu specifically said, uh, after being very generous and kind... To I thought he was, and, yes. Uh, and, ...and very bipartisan, and, you know, and it, wonderfully so. I mean, I wish... I wish the Republican candidates, uh, if they emerged, could be as gracious. This way, yes, right. right. It's very mm-hmm. refreshing. Yeah, but but the prime minister was clear: this is a very bad deal. And so, in a sense, President Obama has launched a political campaign against Prime Minister Netanyahu because I, be- I think he believes that Netanyahu is the only man on the planet right now that stands in the way of this deal. He's not the only one that opposes it. Yeah, all of the Arab. Sunni Arab countries in the Middle East uh, oppose it. Uh, Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, they're terrified of, of a course. nuclear-armed Iran, and they're stunned that an American president would essentially ratify the, the roadmap for Iran to get these, these things. In other words, the, the deal would allow Iran to have all of its, uh, nearly all of its nuclear infrastructure and then would eventually remove the sanctions and the nuclear inspectors, which would leave, you know, the, 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 leader, of Ham, uh, the leader of Iran, the Ayatollah Khamenei, Khamenei. Mm-hmm. said publicly uh, that he wants 190,000 centrifuges, yeah. the machines that create the nuclear fuel to build these weapons. They have 19,000 now. They want 10 times that many. The Prime Minister pointed that out. So the point is that it's not just Israel. It's many, many countries in the region, and of course many leaders, both Democrat and Republican, who oppose this deal and are kind of flabbergasted, actually, that the president is going down this path. New Jersey Senator, Democrat, top Democrat. Menendez. Uh, he was, Menendez. I, I, that was, I was very proud of him, frankly. Yeah, well, he came out very strongly against, uh, not against the president, but I mean, but against the president's policy on this Iran deal. Well, it's and, that whole 10-year uh, thing. At the end of 10 years, it, it, it's over, and they can do whatever they want. Well, that's, that's a, yeah, that, that's I, a I, blink I of an eye. And well, it, the Prime Minister walked through very carefully what could be the thinking behind such a plan. Do you think that, the, that the, maybe the, the leadership in Iran will change, or they'll soften? Or, and I think the Prime Minister made a, a very compelling argument that this is the worst terrorist sponsoring regime on the planet. This is a in Iran, and this is a regime that has cheated and lied, has deceived us about two nuclear facilities that we didn't even know about mm-hmm. that, that eventually came out later. So what else do they have that we don't know? But here's the thing. I, I personally can't think of too many, maybe any other leader in the world right now, including any major Republican leader, who could make the case as powerfully, as compellingly, and as bipartisanly as Netanyahu did. And I think the president fears that the prime minister's argument could win. And I 
personally have to tell you, both as an evangelical Christian yes. and Jewish on my father's side, mm-hmm. and now a new Israeli citizen, uh, I side with the Prime Minister on this one. Well... What I love about your books is that you do have such a great knowledge of biblical prophecy. And that's the one thing nobody's looking at in all of this. First of all, if you've read the Quran, and I know you have, um, it's qu- everything about what th- their ideology is, is right in there. And yet, why do we think they're going to change at this point? You know, they're, they're not going to get nicer. They're not going to sing Kumbaya at any point with anybody because it's, it would be, uh, um, totally counter to what they believe with as as much as you and I believe what we believe about our Lord. You know, they believe it. and they. they... But there's a distinction, Kathleen, and I, and I know you know this, and let's make it clear to, to your listeners. Uh, the president is right when he says that we, we aren't at war with 1.5 billion Muslims. No, that, no, not at all. Threat to us. And that's a very important point. However, Everybody agrees with that. The question is, is there something called radical Islam uh, that does threaten us? And, of course, the answer is clearly yes. And it's also in uh, Iran's con- constitution. It's, it's, it's totally flat-out stated that their purpose is to errat- you know, wipe Israel off the face of the earth and then spread the ideology worldwide. Well, certainly, right, the, the, the Iranian, uh, you know, founding documents are call for jihad. That's, yes. Uh, that's a vi- in, their, in their interpretation of Islam, it's a violent takeover of the world. But there's more than this. It's not just radical Islam. There's something uh, that I describe as apocalyptic Islam. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what the leadership of Iran is. And actually, that's what the leaders of ISIS are. Yes. It's not just that they are Muslims. It's not just that they're violent, dangerous Muslims, and it's not just that they're radical, terrorist Muslims. In this case, they believe the end of the world is at hand. Yes, and you have a couple of books that I would recommend on that. Which one of yours would you say, uh, is it the 12th Imam? That's a novel, right, a political thriller that deals with what if their so-called Islamic Messiah, known as the 12th Imam or the Mahdi, what if this person comes, what is it that Iranian leaders, not all Iranians, uh, but what do Iranian leaders believe about the end of the world? Yeah. And I also wrote a, a nonfiction book called Inside the Revolution. Right, that's it the came one. out on the 30th anniversary of the Islamic Revolution in Iran. That's I, I highly version. recommend that. Yes, uh, that's the one I was trying to remember the title of. Yeah. So, so the key is, so, so listen, uh, I don't know you well, but I think you and I both, as evangelical Christians, we both have an eschatology. And end time mm-hmm. theology. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do they. We believe the Messiah is coming, so do they. We believe he might be coming soon, so so do they. And we believe we need to live more devoutly in light of those facts, mm-hmm. so do they. Yes. So some people say, well, we're all crazy. Well, uh, here's the difference. Apocalyptic Islam is a photographic negative of Christian eschatology. Yes. Meaning... A lot of it is similar up to that point, but then the difference is Jesus told us to love our neighbors and love our enemies. And pray for he told them. us to try to preach the gospel and save every single person who would listen on the entire planet and, and do so with love and compassion. Yes. Um, what that, and Matthew 24, verse 14, which is a list of things about the, what will happen in the end of days, Jesus says, this gospel... This good news shall be preached in the whole world 
as a testament to all nations, all people, and then the end shall come. Mm-hmm. That's our eschatology, that we need to love people and share the good news of, of hope and forgiveness and, and, and life everlasting through Christ. And, and he Their gives us version, free choice whether okay. to receive the message or not. And, right. Oh, yeah. exactly. We don't force people. No. We share them and we let them make their own decision. Now, their version, the apocalyptic Islamic version, is is not to try to save everyone on the planet, but try to kill everyone on the planet who does not forcibly convert to radical apocalyptic Islam. And they believe they're supposed to, uh, the way to hasten or accelerate the coming of their Messiah is by destroying two countries, Israel, which in their end times theology they call the little Satan, Mm -hmm. and the United States, which they call the great Satan. Now, I've had conversations with Mr. Netanyahu about this over the years. I did an uh, an extended interview with him in 2007, I believe it was, for a film we called Epicenter, Mm -hmm. and he talked about apocalyptic Islam and why how, how dangerous it is for people who are trying to bring about genocidal efforts to bring about the end of the world, you cannot put atomic weapons into the hands of such people. You also can't reason with them. refer to apocalyptic Islam today, yeah. this, is what, this is the way he sees the world and the way he sees the threat. But isn't it incredibly naive of us to n- not faction that into what they're doing and what they're planning and why they're not going to be any different in 10 years? They'll be more empowered and stronger, and who knows how many other nations they would have encroached upon well, uh, I, I, in the process. I, 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 there, it's not only naive, it, obviously it's, it's dangerous if you are uh, the leader of the free world, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm reading a book right now um, by Sir Martin Gilbert, who just recently passed away. He was the uh, official biographer of Winston Churchill and, and, and probably the closest uh, you know, student of, of, of Churchill. He wrote a book called Churchill in the Wilderness Years, mm. and he wrote that in the 1930s when Churchill was... He was technically a member of Parliament, but he wasn't a member of the government. Nobody was listening to him. Nobody took him seriously. They thought he was a little bit of a joke. He, that he's a has-been. But what did he say? He said, if you read Mein Kampf, if you read Adolf Hitler's mm-hmm. book, if you study Nazi ideology, you can see this is a gathering storm. This is a threat that will, will, will uh, attack and could potentially destroy Western civilization if we don't understand it, and stop it early. And I think the Prime Minister was making the case uh, today that, it, that we can see, he didn't use the term gathering storm, uh, but he, could, he can see yes. the threat coming. And I think most Democrats can, uh, most Republicans can, many of our Arab allies in the Middle East see it. The President, for some reason, either can't or won't and this is a very dangerous moment. This is a, if to, to use the analogy, if we heard Winston Churchill today, Neville Chamberlain seems to be in the White House. Now, I say that with a belief as a Christian that God can change the heart of the leader. And I pray, I'm, I'm encouraging people to be critical of the policy, but don't be cynical about the president. Uh, pray for him. Pray for him, Pray yes. that he, uh, you know, changes his heart. I'm not asking him to change on every single topic. You know, I have my views. He has his. But on this, this is dangerous for all of our friends in the Middle East. And now my wife, Lynn, and our boys, we're dual citizens 
of the United States and Israel. We live in Israel. We live two hours from ISIS, genocidal ISIS in yes. Syria. We live just about uh, just a few hours from Iran. But doesn't Scripture say in end times that that Israel will be alone? She will be friendless in the world, to- completely and totally surrounded by her enemies. Unfortunately, Bible prophecy does indicate that, yes, and eventually that every nation will turn against her. But yes, at first, uh, that she will be abandoned yes. by all countries and very much alone uh, when danger comes. And, and yet she will be uh, protected and redeemed uh, by, by the Lord himself. Indeed. Uh, it, 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 God will allow Israel to be alone, feel alone, but they're not alone. He wants it ultimately to come down to just us, the Jewish people, and him, so he can show us who he is. And, but, but, but for those who, who don't see it yet, and I didn't see it once, and I, I, I'm, I don't know your whole story, but I'm guessing once you didn't see this, uh, there was a time we didn't understand how much God loves us, yes. how much, and, and that, that Jesus actually is the Messiah we've been waiting for. So it gets scary when you're in a world, whether it's your own personal problems or you're, you're threatened by a, an enemy who wants to behead you or annihilate you, like Haman, the Persian leader, wanted to do to, to, to the Jews back in the book of Esther. Unless you know the Lord and can turn to Him and trust in Him, as the name of the Lord is a strong tower, uh, and the righteous run to Him and are safe, uh, if you don't believe that or know it, then it's very scary. But sometimes God allows these dangers and threats to happen so that we turn to Him and seek Him, mm. and He will reveal Himself to us. Amen. Listen, I want to, in the few remaining uh, moments we have, uh, tell me about your th- the third target. I've read it. I've loved it. It's going to be my favorite thing to hold up next week on the Today Show. <laughs> but um, I don't want to give away who the third target is. So if you talk about it, <laughs> you know, there's... Well, I appreciate that. Well, it's, it's interesting. This is a, uh, the third target, of course, is, is, the, is a new uh, thriller. It just came out in January. It's the beginning of a new series. So if people haven't read my other books and you pick up the third target, which is out in hardcover right now. You haven't missed anything. My other stories about uh, an Iranian threat and other types of threats. This is about a New York Times foreign correspondent mm-hmm. who hears a rumor. The rumor is that ISIS, the, the Islamic State, has captured chemical weapons in Syria and are planning a genocidal attack. But you now, wrote this how long ago? Before, I mean, well, we didn't start to hear about ISIS. And- yeah, and it was finished last summer before most people had even heard of ISIS. Yes. So the reporter, the only way the reporter can print the story is to confirm it. And the only way he can confirm it is to go into civil war-torn Syria. He asks his editor. The editor says, absolutely not. More Does it anyway. Journalists have been murdered in Syria. You can't go. He goes anyway with some colleagues. And I'll just say this. The whole story is about the reporter trying to find the answer to two questions. First, does ISIS actually have genocidal weapons, chemical weapons? And second, if they do, against whom are they going to use them? We know in real life that ISIS is trying to bring down the government of Iraq, mm-hmm. and ISIS is trying to bring down the government of Syria. Right. So the question becomes, what's the next target? What's the third target? Is it the United States? Is it Israel? 
Is it some country in Europe? Is it one of our Arab allies? They're all suspects, and they're all targets. But the question is, where does ISIS go next? And Well, it was pretty uh, amazing, and my, as I'm reading it, when just some just very, very recent things in the news were happening. And again, I don't want to give it away, because if I said exactly what it was, you'd know who the third target is. <laughs> but it was, I, I thought that was just, and you used the names of current uh, certain people's leadership. Uh, you changed the, the American president, you changed some of the others. But there is one particular that you name, and it's very much in the front pages of the our newspapers in, in today's world. True. It's because I worry about them, and I pray for these leaders, including our president. And and I went, look, I, I can't believe one of the things I try to do as a novelist is to go in and do as much research as I can. I want these novels to be as compelling and well, they are. realistic as possible. Well, that's they, why you've sold so many millions of copies, because you that shows. And, we, and I've been to the Middle East um, quite a few times, but but so I, I so much of it just rings true to me. But, but most people have haven't, you know, so it, right. that kind of um, uh, research is so critical to putting them there. But uh, it's terrific. It's, it's, again, you've done it again. What's your next one on? Well, it's interesting. Uh, uh, I, I head home from this book tour uh, on March 15th. I get home on the 16th in Israel. I vote in the Israeli elections on March 17th. And then I begin writing the sequel to the third target on the 18th from from our bomb shelter <laughs> in our new little apartment oh, wow. in Israel. So it's, I figure that's apropos to write a, a, a Middle East novel uh, in a bomb shelter. But that's every Israeli apartment has one. I know, and uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. I was just say one other thing. Uh, when I was doing the research, I met with two former directors of the Central Intelligence Agency. I met with a former head of Mossad, Israel's intelligence agency. And then I met with the prime minister and the foreign minister and several other leaders in a Sunni Arab country. Again, to try to get the perspective from Americans, Mm -hmm. the Democrat, Jim Woolsey, who worked as CIA director under President Clinton, and Porter Goss, who was uh, director under George W. Bush. So I wanted a bipartisan, what's your angle, what's your angle? What is Israel's angle? What are Sunni Arab angles? What is this threat of ISIS? Because as, as Iran is a huge threat, but that's a threat that's building. Iran, ISIS is a threat right now. An immediate threat, it yes. Is, it is engaged in genocide against Christians yes. and against Muslims right now. Yes. And it's horrific. And I don't see... Um, the, you know, the administration taking decisive action to, to neutralize either the ISIS threat or the uh, Iranian threat. But novels are a way of, cap- you know, fiction has a way of capturing people's imagination in a way that an op-ed or speech from a political leader sometimes doesn't do. Now, yes. Prime Minister Netanyahu gave, I think, one of the best um, uh, you know, speeches to lay out the threat that I've ever heard since Churchill and since Reagan. Mm. But it's funny, uh, somebody sitting in the House chamber watching the speech leaned over to me, I kid you not, and said to me, have you ever read the books of Joel Rosenberg? Are you kidding me? What? No, I kid you not. And I, I didn't know him. I just, we were just chit-chatting. And he said, it sounds just like one of his books. Oh, my I, gosh, Joel, what did you say to him? Loud. The prime minister was speaking, and I said to him, I'm Joel Rosenberg. He's, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said, we'll talk later. Isn't was, that was, crazy? Well, see, see. That, I, that's what fiction can do. Yes. You know, and it cuts out around the political world, even a political thriller, and it, it, it lets people who 
aren't thinking about this every moment of every day. They go on a high-speed, high-adrenaline, high-octane ride, a thriller ride. And with a little hint of romance in the air. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jill, you are so dear to join me today. Thank you. And again, we want to make it very clear to all of our listeners that God loves all of his creation, all of his creation, and we are not at war with with uh, the wonderful, good, godly in, in Muslim people around the world. And so, uh, we, this is a very different, particular thing, and we're certainly not trying to foment any kind of. Uh, uh, Absolutely, and we, the world doesn't need any more hatred. The people who are the people who are most suffering right are now are the Muslims. Actually, That's are, right. are the Muslims in yeah. Iran, in Syria. In Iraq, I've traveled to Iraq four times. I've been to Afghanistan, lived in Egypt with my family, uh, love uh, Jordan and these other countries. No, this is about working together with Arabs and Jews and Israel uh, to to defend ourselves against these rising threats. Amen, amen. Well, you are, ever since I uh, started reading your books, you've been on my prayer list. So uh, I will be be, uh, praying for you about 5.15 tomorrow morning. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And your family. I might not be up yet, but I'll be praying okay. tonight for your show tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joel. You are, again, the, the latest book is called The Third Target. Go on Joel C. Rosenberg. Is it dot com? Uh, for all com. The, the, yeah. the list of all of his amazing books. If you really want an insider's view of what it's like uh, and what, what the coming, uh, what the Bible basically says is coming, I highly recommend all of his books. Thank you so much, Joel. God bless Thank you. you. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you in person. Me and I too. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm, I didn't even know you loved my books, but I'm very grateful. I love them. I love them. <laughs> you take care. God bless. Thank you. You too.